Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we are continuing our series on the book of Genesis, and this one is entitled, Where Are You? We're looking at God's call out to Adam and Eve after they'd eaten the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's kind of a launching point into our own uh, spiritual practices of finding out where we are life, physically, emotionally, relationally. So we will end this with a, an exercise that, uh, so there's a lot of space there at the end just to explain that. But for now, let's go ahead and head to North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. Mother's Day. How many mothers we got up in here? How many mothers we got up in here? All right. How many people were born of mothers? Okay, just a, you know, in 10 years, who knows? Who knows? Technology, man. (laughs) Well, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in here. I, for one, am very grateful I had a mom in my life. Uh, you know, a mom will believe in you when nobody else will. And my mom has prayed for me when nobody else would. And uh, I'm very thankful for my own mother and, uh, and for, for all of the mothers in here today. And I know I've, I've talked with several people over the years that, and, and even in this last week, that, uh, uh, you know, Mother's Day is one of those seasons that's, it's, it's not a, it's it's great, but it's also a very difficult season because I know there's people in here this morning. You you've you've had a mother pass away in the, in recent years, and so this is a it's a holiday where you may remember the the good things about your mother, but you're also filled with maybe a sense of grief and and missing your mother. I know there's some of you in here this morning that maybe you're not a mother because not because you didn't want to be a mother, but just you, for whatever reason you haven't been able to have a child. And so I know a lot of people who just avoid church on Mother's Day because it's painful. It's a painful reminder of what is missing in their life. And still for others, uh, Mother's Day is one of those times where it, it, it reminds you of painful things. Maybe you did not have a good relationship with your mother. Maybe your mother was addicted to things and, and, and abusive. And so Mother's Day is just a, it's a painful time. And still, there's others of you in here who maybe you don't have any kids. Maybe your kids are grown up and moved on, or maybe you've never had any kids, but you, you are kind of a mother to, to some people in, in your world, and you don't get recognized. So whatever, whatever category you find yourself in this morning, we pray that you would find the Holy Spirit comforting you, reminding you of the joy of your mother, affirming you as a mother, affirming that desire as a mother, and even if you've got wounds from a mother, that you'd find the Holy Spirit bringing healing to some of those things in your heart. And even if you're a mother to people and not biologically, we just want to affirm you in that and that you would find God celebrating your moving in that gifting. We all need to be mothered in our lives. <laughs> we do. We need mothers. 
I, my 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 kids, man, they'd be a mess if it was if they if it was just me because uh, I'm. <laughs> well, I don't have to say anything about that. Everybody said amen. So, <laughs> happy Mother's Day to you all. Um, so um, we started a series in Genesis a couple of months back, and today I, I want to do a little something different. Uh, and at some point, uh, I think we do have a a basket of pins around somewhere that uh, we are going to end with a little little interaction today, a little reflective exercise. But before we get into that, so I'm not, I'm not going to go terribly long this morning, and you're like, yeah, right, you've said that before, but I, I really intend to uh, not go long. Um, in Genesis, and by the way, we're still in Genesis 2, uh, and, and uh, we, we got a verse from Genesis 3 as well. Maybe next week we'll get into Genesis 4 after two months. Um, but I just want to look at two passages in particular this morning. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the, and the man became a living being. This, this sounds like a, a, just a pretty simple thing. Uh, here, but I think it's interesting to note that when you look at how God, in, in the creation story of Genesis 1, we don't really get much from how God creates things and other than God said, let there be, you know, this and let there be that. But when it comes to Genesis 2, we get an up-close personal view of how God actually forms the first human being. And God does this like a potter molding clay. In fact, several Old Testament scholars have pointed out that the language in Genesis 2 is, is very similar to the language of, of a potter. And if you lived in a, in a village in Mesopotamia back, you know, 1200 you know, B.C., uh, one of the most important jobs in your local village would be the potter. Because if you didn't have pots to put things in to store your oil and your water and your grain, you were pretty in trouble. So having a good potter in your village that was, was capable of creating was, was a really big thing. So if you had been reading these words back then, that would have been your immediate uh, picture that would have come into your mind, the language used here. Because God is not just creating something by, by snapping his fingers or, you know, like I Dream of Jeannie. It was a show, kids, when I was young. Um, it's not just like, boom, let there be met. We get the sense that it is an artisan craftsman molding something, and then God breathes his breath into Adam, and Adam becomes a living being. Adam is animated with the very life of God. There is, there is something, that, and, and we see this in Adam. There's a connection to the ground. Adam is, after all, a farmer. You know, he's called to, to, to look after a garden. Um, so there's a connection in human beings to the very earth itself, but then we see when God forms Eve, God forms Eve out of the rib of, of Adam's side. So we see that there's this connection between uh, uh, Adam and Eve right off the bat. It's that they're, they're formed from the same substance, and they're connected to one another. And that's part of what I think this, this whole story is trying to say. But I think it's interesting to, to bring up, too, though, that human beings, more than any other creature on planet Earth, do not come out fully formed. When we're born, I mean, if you look at other animals, have you ever seen like a, a, a baby calf be born or a, a deer? I mean, like, it, 
you know, an hour or so after they're born, they're walking around and they're doing their thing. And it's like nobody, their mom doesn't have to teach them how to walk or how to, or where to get food. I mean, the mom is involved maybe for that first year, but that's about it. I mean, we've got a steady stream of raccoons in our backyard. Um, I'm, I'm called the uh, raccoon whisperer. My yard is like the, the National Geographic channel, but we, it started a few years ago when we fed this one particular raccoon some boudin. I think it was Zach. I had a bunch of, a few guys over, we were hanging out, and we were grilling up some boudin on skewers, and, and Zach holds out. The, there's this raccoon that was coming out to hang out with us and begging for food, and it ran up a tree, and Zach held out this little skewer with a little piece of boudin on it, and that's all it takes. <laughs> And you see these little hands come out from behind the tree. They grab it. And that raccoon was my friend. And now I've got the third generation since that raccoon uh, hanging out at my house. And some, I mean, there, there's actually been some eating, some evenings where I've been out on my back porch, and there'll be like nine raccoons in my backyard. And I've got to like assert my dominance because I'm like, I could take two of you guys on, but nine of y'all. <laughs> but we see even with the raccoons, this is what happens with raccoons. And I'm getting to observe it every year. The mother raccoon... We'll take her two or three baby raccoons into our backyard. She'll introduce them all the spots to stay. And that's what the mother does. But even with raccoons, that only lasts like six months to a year. They pretty much figured it out, and they're on their own after that. But human beings, my goodness, we take a lot of care, don't we? Some, some of y'all got husbands, right? <laughs> I thought they'd been grown up by 45 years old, and I'm still taking care of them. Speaking of Mother's Day. <laughs> We take a lot of care. A baby can't survive on its own. In fact, the, the, the studies of, of uh, it, it's amazing the amount of uh, uh, studies that have been done on the human brain just in the last 15, 20 years that are beginning to give us a clearer picture that, that when you're six weeks old, the, the things that happen in the first six months of, I mean, six weeks of your life have to do with how well you're going to learn things beyond that point. And, and most of it has to do with being held, having people up in your face saying, where's the baby, uh, talking to you. There, there's things in our life that won't be formed apart from interaction. We come out formed, but we are not fully formed. This is why you see insurance rates go down at, at, at age 25, because that's about the time when your ba- brain is fully formed, you know, and, and, and you're, you, but 25 years, that's a long time. And in fact, in the last 15, 20 years, they've, they've discovered that, that the human brain, that the, the conventional thinking, you know, up until the 90s was that, you know, by the time you hit about 12 years old, your brain is completely formed and, and you're kind of set in stone your personality. Now they've realized that your personality is forming all the way up to about 25 and that there's still a plasticity to your brain uh, for your whole life, that you can actually change things in your brain. That's pretty good news if you have a brain. <laughs> but this also means that we are continually being formed in our minds. Our minds are continually being formed throughout our lives. Some things get more established along the way, but there's parts of our minds that are continually being formed. And this means that we are always in process, aren't we? The good news is we're always in process. There's always hope. There's always hope that we can change something about ourselves. That's good news. But it also means that we have to be intentional about the things that we let form our lives. 
I've spoken on Romans 12 many times that Paul says, you know, don't, don't just be conformed. Don't be squeezed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We, we have to, to, to take care that our desires will be shaped by something good. You know, one of the reasons, and I said this last week, one of the reasons we get here and we worship and we take communion week after week, and we are trying to form our desires after God. I, I heard a, an Eastern Orthodox person put it this way the other day. We all bear the image of God. What is missing is the likeness of God. I thought, that's brilliant. Because I know even a few weeks ago when I talked about everybody being created in the image of God and God creating a good world, I don't, some people were like, I don't know. Have you seen some of the people we got in the world? But no, everybody is created in the image of God. Your, your, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, even your enemies are created in the image of God. Now, they might not have the likeness of God. And that's where... Spiritual formation comes in. We admit that we don't look anything like God. We don't love like God. We don't have compassion. We're self-absorbed, self-centered. We care what people think. We're trapped in pride and envy and all these kinds of things. We admit that. We don't desire good things in this world. So what are we going to do about it? Well, that's where we take intentionality with our lives. That's why we, we get intentional about the people we hang around with. That's why we get intentional about maybe the things we're eating and exercise and different things. Because what we are trying to do is form ourselves to where that becomes a natural part of life. And this is where spiritual disciplines come in. We do these things repetitively because they shape us. Because they're powerful. Because we want that to be our default. You know, I remember when I first started playing guitar at age 20. Um, I'd played piano since I was about eight years old, but guitar was something I was new to. And, and anybody who's ever tried to play guitar before, uh, it's, it's frustrating for those first few months. I mean, that's why most people, you know, don't end up playing guitar, because it's frustrating. Your fingers hurt, and they, you know, you, you may bleed, and you get calluses, and... And but after I got about three or four chords, then I started trying to strum. And then, you know, not long after that, I started writing songs and trying to sing and play guitar at the same time. And that's a lot of stuff going on in your brain. And when you first try to do it, it's like every time you switch a chord there, you're going to slow down for a second. And and you've got so much stuff going on in your brain. But after a while, after you do that over and over, now when I get up on a Sunday morning on a lead song on a guitar, I'm not really thinking about anything I'm playing on the guitar. It's just it's become muscle memory. It's just a part of what's going on. And that's what we're doing with the spiritual disciplines is we want that to be your natural default way of of, of dealing with the world. So this brings me to the second part. Genesis 3, 8 through 9. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Now this is right after Adam and Eve have eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I love God's questions. We get this picture that that Eden is this kind of walled garden. It's this beautiful place where, where they were supposed to just take care of this garden and make sure it's okay and, and be in relationship with God. 
But they did the one thing they weren't supposed to do. And God's just walking out in the middle of the day, in the cool of the day, in the evening, actually. And God says, where are you? Where are you? Is it because God didn't know? I don't think so. <laughs> remember, those of you who have kids, remember maybe when your kids are young and they think they're all being clever, you know, hiding behind the door. And, you, you know, you play along with them, you know. Where are you? But you know. But the question that God was asking Adam and Eve right here is, it's not for God. It's for them. Where are you? Because you can be in the middle of paradise and be in hell, can't you? You ever done that before? I'm sure there's somebody in here who you, you've gotten together with your family for Thanksgiving, a time where you're going to be thankful for everything and maybe watch some football and eat some food. But then all those family issues start coming up. And then all of a sudden Thanksgiving is just ruined, and you're like, this is the last place I want to be. Here you are surrounded by a feast and family and football games, and it's hell. Oh, nobody wants to say amen to that. I, 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 I've been in the wrong family. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can be in the midst of the thing that you have worked for your whole life. Uh, you, can, you can be experiencing great success, and it can be hell for you. But at the same time, you can be going through hell, and it can be heaven. You can be having peace, and you can, you can be making it and, and connecting with the presence of God in, in very dark and very confusing times. you got to figure out, though, where you are on the map. And this little uh, device in my pocket, this, you know, with, with uh, Google Maps on it, gosh, I've, I've become so codependent on this technology. I get down to New Orleans sometimes. I'm like, where am I? You know, the first thing you got to do is figure out where in New Orleans you are before you can figure out how you're going to get to where you're going. God's question is, where are you? I went through this exercise that we're going to do here in a minute. I, I went through it last night, and um, I, I was having a, a kind of a difficult week, you know. Uh, after talking about Sabbath last Sunday, I went to Jazz Fest, and then I hosted a pastor's retreat here. And then come Thursday, I'm like, I'm so worn out. I need to take a Sabbath. <laughs> I need to listen to my message. But I was sitting there last night going through this exercise, and i got to tell you, it was so helpful to just name what was going on. We're not trying to fix things. You know, God, when God creates in the beginning, God calls forth things into being. He calls forth order out of chaos. How? With a word. When Adam participates in his vocation, of stewarding over creation. The first job that Adam has that we talked about last week even was when Adam names all the animals. In naming the Adam animals, those animals become real to him. Until you can put words to something, it's not really real to you, right? So this question of where are you, when we begin putting words to where we are emotionally, relationally, physically, with the desires in our own hearts, when we can begin putting words to those, they become real to us now. Now there's something that we're conscious of. 
And now that something's conscious, you can deal with it or not deal with it. And I know that's why we resist oftentimes uh, reflective exercise because we just don't want to know. It's kind of the same reason you resist, you know, looking at how you're really spending your money or, or going to the dentist. You know, we just sometimes we'd rather not know. It's too painful to know, but it's a lot better to know than to not know because then you can actually deal with something. And so what we're going to do this morning is just kind of jump off of this one little passage, where are you? And we're going to do a spiritual location exercise. This is, this is our way to, to try to locate where we are in life. You know, I, I, I mentioned the last couple of weeks that I'm going to be taking a sabbatical this summer for two months. That's one of my big questions. You know, that I'm, I'm asking myself, where am I? <laughs> what is going on? And, and, and the, the ultimate thing of this, this spiritual um, location exercise is the final question where it says, what is the Spirit inviting me into? When I figure out where I am, what is the invitation of the Holy Spirit? So, without further ado, we're going to jump into this. But before I say this, before I lead us in this exercise, and we do this exercise here two or three times a year. We've done it on our marriage class. I try to do it every couple of months. Does everybody got a pen that needs one? We got some pens. Oh, there's some pens right there. Here's a box of pens if anybody needs one. As we get ready to do this exercise, I'm just going to read a psalm here. And we can kind of think about this psalm for a moment. I think uh, someone over here needs a pen. David? So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to just settle upon our hearts as we just want to get quiet and pay attention to you today. Let us awaken to what is going on in our lives and what your Spirit is doing in us. Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely... The darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you form my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was skillfully made in secret skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! 
If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way that is everlasting. So I'm going to lead us through this exercise and we're just looking back over the last week and uh, just write down whatever pops into your head. You don't have to get terribly specific. And, and look, in one week, your emotions can be all over the place. So you may be feeling depressed one day. Joy- just write down everything that pops into your head. We'll, sp- we'll sp- spend about a minute or two on each one of these. So when you think about the last week, what have been your dominant thoughts? What are the things that you've been thinking a lot about? Okay, when you think over the last week, what have been your dominant feelings? All right, the next question is, what has your body felt like? How have you felt physically over the last week?
What have been your strongest desires? Next question is, how have you had fun? In a sentence, where are you? Based on your other answers, just write down a sentence on where you think you are right now. Question number seven. What is God doing within you in this place?
And the final question is, what is the Spirit inviting you into? What do you sense is the invitation of the Spirit in your life right now? Now, normally when we do this exercise, take a little bit longer than this. This is a little bit of a condensed version. But I, I encourage you to take, take these, these questions home with you and maybe look back at them. Look back at your answers that you've written down this week. Look back at them at the end of this week. Maybe do this again. Uh, what we're trying to do is, is live in an awareness of what's going on. Sometimes we can just be pushed about and driven by all kinds of things beneath the surface. We don't know where we are. We're untethered. We're adrift. And so this kind of exercise is just to help us pay attention to where we're at, but also pay attention to, okay, well, what's God doing in me? And where is God going with this? Well, that's all for this morning. I just want to pray a blessing on you and uh, go out and have your Mother's Day lunch. Lord, may we hear your voice calling out to us this week. May we be formed into your likeness. Lord, I pray that you would give us each discernment and understanding about where we're at and where we're going and, and that we'd have ears to hear what you're saying, eyes to see what you're doing. Lord, that we wouldn't just be merely shaped by the things going on around us, Lord, but we would be intentional and proactive. Lord, bless all the mothers in here today. Bless everyone who's celebrating Mother's Day. Lord, bless those who are having a difficulty with this day, God. Let us find your spirit in all of it, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, God bless y'all. See you next week. Happy Mother's Day.